We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. We had to tape this on a Wednesday because <laughs> the Cowboys are undefeated on a Wednesday. I think we did our part, Kyle. Uh, joining me right now is Kyle Porter. Uh, you you gave me that stat last week. I didn't think it would uh, come to fruition against Texas, but it sure did. Well, and, and the guy, I got to give him a shout out because he came by our tailgate on Saturday, Chris McCullough. Uh, he's the one that pointed it out to me via email. We joked about it in person, and uh, we're back at it on a on a Wednesday. Interesting. Uh, a lot's happened since we talked. Um, <laughs> yeah, no Oklahoma kidding. State, Oklahoma State beat Texas. Uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> Are you going to keep going from there? Uh, yeah. Um, I didn't know where to go from there. I mean, I, I, I no, was going to go let's, to your... Let's, let's start there. Let's start there. Uh, my biggest takeaway, Carson, from Saturday night, just from being there, I, I you know, we, we don't get to go to all the games because you're traveling, I'm in Dallas, whatever. Crowd was electric. I mean, Gundy said it, and I think somebody else that I interviewed afterwards said Chuba might have said it. It was awesome. It was from the minute I got in the stadium, we did our, our TV hit, which, by the way, thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but so I, we were kind of late getting in. I'm not late to the game, but just we were one of the last people in the stadium. And it was from the jump, it was just like it felt like Oklahoma State was going to win. And I, I did not expect that at all. I thought it was going to be a kind of a lackadaisical crowd, people not into it. And people were, were fired up from the beginning. And Oklahoma State scored 17 points in the first quarter and – it's basically all downhill from there. I, I couldn't believe how uh, into the game everybody was from, from the very beginning. <clears throat> the start certainly helped. And as you were talking, I was just trying to think of what are the best atmospheres we've ever seen at Boone Pickens Stadium. Certainly the, the Baylor game in 2013 comes to mind. Obviously beating OU for a Big 12 title will probably never be topped until they win it again but uh, it was I, I thought it was right up there with those and I, I get I don't listen to pardon my take but I guess the barstool guys said playing a night game in Stillwater is like playing on a different planet or something I, th- I thought that was a pretty good way to put it because that stadium as we've mentioned the, the people are just so close to the field and it, it really was electric from from the from the jump yeah and you know I I think that I think for me actually one of the ones that's up there is uh, is Bedlam last year I mean, we talked about it afterward. It was it was insane during Bedlam last year, and that's what this game felt like. Uh, it, the The difference being that Oklahoma State won this time around. But even being on the field after the game, I, I went down there with a few minutes left, and it was. And now, the Gundy Tom Herman incident certainly helped things. That had everybody juiced up a little bit, but <laughs> it was uh, it was from start to finish as good of a crowd a, a, as I've seen in the last few years I've been picking stadium it was great and um perhaps my biggest takeaway um is just isn't it amazing how differently Mike Gundy coaches as an underdog versus a favorite I mean he's now won six of his past seven games outright as an underdog yeah that's not a coincidence they 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 played aggressive they coached aggressive it was like watching a different team. That's before we even get into how well Taylor Cornelius played. Just the overall game plan, aggressiveness, in the, particularly in the first half, too, because second half got a little uh, conservative as well. They, yeah. they, quit, they quit running hurry up, and, and Gundy you know, went back to the conservative nature he tends to show when he's 
you know, out in front. But uh, I just thought it was night and day. It was basically everything everyone had been asking for, right? I mean, the the passes to Chuba, getting Chuba more involved. They ran jet sweeps, even fake jet sweeps, which we haven't seen all season, despite the literal creator of the jet sweep being on the staff. <laughs> Stitt, Stitt happened. You know, Bob Stitt, the creator of the jet sweeps. And no, I, I was blown away, Kyle, as I'm sure you were too, at just – the aggressive nature in which they played and coached. Yeah, you know, you, you see this from Gundy when they have teams that are um, that are inferior, teams that are struggling. Uh, you, what's interesting is you don't see it when they have like good teams that are playing better teams. We didn't see it against Ole Miss in the uh, in the Sugar Bowl. We we don't see it against OU a lot of times. You know, we we've been we've been asking for that against OU for years because OU clearly has more talent and Oklahoma State has had really good teams and and I think that Gundy gets into this thing where he thinks that they're as good as OU from a talent perspective and he just tries to go toe to toe with them. And, and I want to see I want to see more of what I saw on Saturday when Oklahoma State is, is has a really good team and they're going against a better team. But but you're right in terms of when they've had average teams uh, below average teams and they've gone against better talent uh he's let it go a little bit and and that's what he did on saturday which of the plays or what of the play calling uh, maybe surprised you the most or, or were you were you fired up the most about in the first half well I, I think it starts and ends for me with chuba just that guy is a world you know world-class talent i mean yeah. literally so he has a world-class speed and he was one of the highest rated recruits they've had. I thought that I thought I thought it was a great game to showcase why recruiting matters. You've got Tywin Wallace, mm. a highly rated four star, best player on the field by yeah. a wide margin. Yeah. You've got Chuba Hubbard, who Texas had zero answers for. And I thought the way they used him was was creative. They still like to run Chuba off tackle some, which I don't like, but at least he has the ball in his hands. He just kind of ran wild in the first half. I thought that was great. And I thought it's amazing how far football has shifted towards the spread and shotgun to where the eye formation was like a, this huge wrinkle <laughs> and like Texas had no idea what was what was about to happen. I thought that was just mind blowing how the power eye is all of a sudden cutting edge. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, and I think that you know we we got to give credit. Uh, Corn Dog was awesome. He was really good. You know, he, he had and, – and I think here's, – here's the thing, Carson. He's not going to be he, – he's not going to look like Brandon Whedon. He's not going to be as consistently good as Mason Rudolph. But when you have a game like that in which he ran it, uh, I think, 12 times, he made a lot of good throws. Now, there's some throws – and this happened to Rudolph too where it's like, okay, well, you just had a, an NFL receiver bail you out a little bit. But he yeah. made a, he made a lot of good throws, and they and 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 again, I go back to I don't know if this is him just not choosing to throw short passes, or Mike Yersich not calling them. But whatever whatever it is, they did it more on Saturday, and it worked. These Dylan Stoner passes over the middle, hitting Chuba out in the flats. The, I mean, they can do that up and down the field, and then you go to Thailand, and and he's actually open. You know, and uh, now he made some great, he made some great catches. The fourth down, fourth and one at the end of the first half that he made over two guys that that was both a little bit lucky and an unbelievable catch by Thailand. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a perfect performance from corn, but it was really good. And I thought that when they needed it late, they went to him and he, and he running it, not, not just throwing it, you know, he iced the game. Uh, on that third down uh, on the last possession. And, and he also scored uh, what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown. So 
a pretty cool night for him and, and one that, uh, you know, he's going to remember for a long time. He played great and he, you're right. He needs, I'm sure he took, took his rightful place under the neon palms on the I, throne. That, ju- justice might've taken it from him. Well, they can, they can co-rule the throne. <laughs> uh, but no, he was he was awesome, and I and I, I've said this all season, Kyle. Like it's not all him. Like has he played poorly a lot of the season? Yes. Yeah. Has the coaching staff put him in a position to succeed a lot of the times? No. Yeah. And I thought they did a much better job of that. But give him credit. That first throw he made to Tylen for the touchdown. It's great. It was awesome. Best throw. It's best throw he's ever made, <laughs> and probably probably ever will. I mean, even Tom Herman was like, "That's an unbelievable throw." Yeah. So he played great. Uh, I'm I'm not going to eat crow though if if people want that I mean he, both of these can be true he played amazing and and won the game literally he literally won the game he went full Vince Young running to the corner of the end zone like like Vince did in the Rose Bowl yeah but he also lost three games and played poorly and and they weren't competitive in two of those largely because the offense couldn't score both of these can be true yeah you, you, so did he, did he prove me wrong that he could beat Texas absolutely yeah. I didn't, I picked OSU to win, but that was the caveat that maybe they would struggle and play a different quarterback. <laughs> so that's neither here nor there. But but both of those can be true, Kyle. It's not as if it's a black and white situation with him. I, I thought he played great, and I think if they put him in positions like they did against Texas, they can win a couple more games here down the stretch. Well, and, and that's the thing is, is people get into this – sort of retroactively like applying what happened in the present to the past. It's like, no, you don't like what happened in the Texas game doesn't change what happened in the Kansas state game, what happened in the Texas tech game, all these different things. Like we're, we're just saying what we see and what we think. And you can only look forward. And I think that, you know, this is what, this is what Gundy's been talking about all year with, with, uh, with corn, right. Is, you know, he's got some skills, he can do some things, he, he can run it a little bit, and he knows essentially what he's doing out there more than these other guys. And we finally saw it. And you saw what Oklahoma State can be. I mean, this is this is essentially what I've been saying for the last four or five weeks is if Oklahoma State gets good quarterback play, they got really good quarterback play on Saturday, they can they can be good. It, and it's not like I think we get a little caught up in like, oh, Texas is number six in the country and they're six and one. Texas isn't they're an okay team. They're not like a ten win team. And so again, like you won this one possession game with good quarterback play, and that's great, but I don't know that it means that that uh that Cornelius is, you know, the the best quarterback in the Big Twelve or anything, which is what people want to kind of uh, retroactively make true. Yeah, and or it doesn't like it also doesn't mean they shouldn't have tried to play another quarterback up to this point. Now, yeah, true. Have you ever have you ever watched a season in which the backup quarterback hasn't played? I mean, that's that's really rare, even in you know mop up duty or or otherwise. But uh, no, he played awesome and full credit to him. And you're right, that's a moment with, and this is why I'm so pro. Like I, I it drives me up a wall when people try to criticize storming of the fields, whether it was justified, whether the team was ranked high enough just look at those pictures of justice hill yeah in in the in the sea of fans taylor cornelius taking pictures on the field with fans like are the students that's something those students and those players will remember the rest of their lives so have at it have fun i don't i don't think anybody really criticized it it just that's something that usually gets brought up anytime someone storms the field so it was really a an unreal scene there for for a game in which we didn't really expect that that sort of outcome yeah i 100 percent agree it's 
you you don't we get so caught up in oh did you know titles and and going undefeated and all these different things it's like okay for the 98% of college football players and teams like it's not it's about like moments it's about big games it's and and that's why college football is great right is because you can not win a title but still have had a really fun season and that and I don't know if this is a fun season it hasn't it hasn't been up to this point but that was a really fun night and one that um you know all those players like the the seniors on this team they're going to they're going to go to a a liberty bowl or you know whatever and it's like okay well that's great but that Texas game that's a big deal you know and that and winning that game was uh you know on national television on homecoming at night with Fowler and Herb Street there that, that was a big thing that was important and Gundy Gundy talked a lot about that on Monday and I, I thought that he was right about that and and that um you know there's a lot of recruits there too and and that's a big deal so uh just a just a really cool night all the way around uh, Carson I got so I'm on the field afterwards and I'm just walking I'm basically just walking around with my phone just filming everything I had to edit my film because I got I got flashed <laughs> It was, it it was not, it was literally, I had to like edit stuff out before I put it on YouTube. It was, it was, wow. It was pandemonium on the field. It was was Woodstock down there. My goodness. It was crazy. There was alcohol everywhere. There was, you know, people's watches and glasses flying off. It was, it was as crazy a scene as I've uh, experienced on that field. Uh, Maybe, maybe since the 2011 Bedlam game. Did you separate Tom Herman and Mike Gundy? Did you run out there too? Dude, how cra- how crazy was that? It was bizarre. I mean, Gundy clearly was just trying to get his guys back. We all know that. And I guess him and Tom Herman came to a, an understanding. But you know who the instigator was? It, it was our boy Tyron. Tyron started <laughs> the whole thing. Did, did, you, did you go back and watch and see what happened? Well, I went back and watched to the point that, um, that Hager was like pointing at him. Yeah, but I didn't. Was there something well, what, bef- before what, what that? What happened? The first kneel, the very first kneel down, uh, Hager kind of got a little aggressive with the offensive lineman that was blocking him. Like tried to push him back a little when everyone else wasn't. And Tyron is one of the up men. He he sprints in there and gets right in <laughs> Breck and Hager's face and starts talking trash. Mm. And that's when Hager's like, "All right, dude," and starts pointing at him and says, "I'm going to hit you on this next play for that." And that's what started the whole melee. So Tyron doesn't make catches, but he starts he starts trouble. Tyron might not be the guy that I am pointing at and going after if I'm a Texas player. Well, he he won that exchange, didn't he? Yeah. Threw him down. Yeah. But you know what my favorite part about all that was, Carson, is when – so the video of – I've watched this like 10 times. The video of Gundy and Herman in the uh, – like their handshake – they're like almost like neck to neck talking to each other because it's <laughs> seriously because it's so loud and the conversation that they had was so funny because Herman is basically like I thought you were going after one of my guys and Gundy's like Gundy he didn't say this but he essentially was saying who me like I, me I would never do that <laughs> and Herman couldn't Herman like couldn't figure out if he was being serious or not, or if like he couldn't tell if he was being played and <laughs> the whole exchange was, was incredible because Gundy was just like, 
whether he was or wasn't instigating anything, he got to he, he just basically like owned Herman in the in the handshake and like and, and I don't think he was instigating anything, but it was just the way he was talking to him was hilarious because Herman was clearly the uh like Gundy was the alpha in that exchange. Like he, he was the one that Herman was, was looking up to. And, and I, I don't know, you got to go back and watch it, but the whole thing was really funny. I mean, Gundy got in the, are you not entertained? Yeah. It was, that was incredible. It was, <laughs> it's like he saw Herman talking trash and was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Fire up the fans to hell with you. It was, it was awesome. I'll smooth, I'll smooth it over at the handshake, but for now I get my moment. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so good. And it, it was a, you know, we, we talk a lot about how like he, Gundy coaches like he has a crew cut and not a mullet. He coached like he had a mullet on Saturday. They, he let, he let the mullet hang. Yeah. And like, that's, that's what you, that's what you want, right? As a fan, as a, as somebody who's watching the game, like just, just let it go a little bit. And they didn't, they didn't get crazy. You know, they were conservative in the second half, but they had some fun with it. Uh, they played like they were actually excited to be out there, which they hadn't done in a while. Gundy said after the game, we're an energetic team. We just haven't played like it. And it's like, well, that's, that's kind of on you, you know, as, as the head coach. So uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty wild night and, and a pretty fun weekend in Stillwater. You know, good special teams too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you want to get to our guests? Yeah, we're gonna call uh, we're gonna call your boy, your your co-host uh, Brian Keating of Channel Five. Uh, you guys were, were kind enough to uh, to have me on 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 Saturday, so wanted to to reassure in the favor. Uh, it's time for the Coupel Works Guest of the Week. Coupel Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F Five IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde for your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends. Enjoy a cold Coupel Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, have you ever interviewed Brian Carson? <laughs> no, we worked together, so this is this is different. <laughs> it's going to be a first for you. Um, yeah. Now we're we're going to call him, and uh, yeah, excited to talk about. I know he's got Cornelius takes and Gundy takes, so uh, let's jump into that. Hello, Brian. You there? Yo. What's up, dude? Yeah, man. What's going on? How we doing? We're good, man. Our, I'm, I'm on my headphones. I don't know if, if that is giving us a little bit of a delay or not. I can get off of them. No, you sound great, Carson. Are you good? Can okay. you hear? Yeah. yeah, I'm good. Okay. Want me to intro? Yep. Let's intro, and we'll just jump in. Okay. Cool. You ready? You ready, Brian? Yeah, man. That's it. Okay. All right, joining us right now is sports director at KOCO TV, Brian Keating, my coworker. Brian, uh, are you offended that I'm just now having you on the podcast after all these years? <laughs> no, I, I don't take offense, but I'm happy to be on. I'm I'm fired up. I figured, you know, at some point, maybe as a as a guy who went to school at OSU, that I might make my way onto the podcast. So um, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, when you were in school, and even when Kyle and I were in school, beating Texas was like the impossible dream. Now all OSU does is beat Texas. Just what was your takeaway? Your biggest takeaway from Saturday? No, it's wild uh, because I was actually—I remember being at the game, and I think it was 1997. Yeah, when I was a freshman, the, the Tony Lindsay game. 
And, you know, that's, that's in like the doldrums of OSU football, which is basically my whole life up until then. <laughs> and I remember when they beat Texas and there's like 20,000 people in the stands and we had a whole <laughs> row to ourselves. And uh, I remember saying, this is unbelievable. You know, this is the height of what OSU football can be. And now they do it every single year. It's pretty wild. And, you know, even when OSU, like this isn't a great OSU team. So even when they're not that good, they still beat Texas. It's pretty remarkable. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I think it's seven out of nine now, and they've got more wins than any other Big 12 team against Texas since 2010, which is just a – including OU, which is insane. Um, you, you know, uh, Brian, I, I think that we've all been kind of on the same page in terms of the quarterback this year, and we talked a little bit about Cornelius before you came on, but how surprised were you by the performance that, that Oklahoma State got out of him uh, on Saturday against Texas? It was, I mean, I don't know if I want to use the word shocking, but he played great. And there was nothing that he had done earlier in the season that gave us any idea that he was going to play that well. So, um, you know, it's kind of an out-of-body experience for him. Although I do think, I think the OSU coaches did a really good job of trying to put him in better situations. And the one thing, you know, I think Mike Gundy said this after the game too, the one thing they did that he does really, really well, I mean, he's not a great thrower he can throw and, he, he made some really good throws, but he can run, and he's a really good runner. He's yeah. a much better athlete than you think he probably ought to be. I don't remember what game it was last year. He goes like 50 yards, and no one can catch him. So when a guy that's six, whatever he is, gets ahead of steam and he can make you miss, you can't arm tackle him. And when they let him go like they did in the Boise game, that certainly opens up so many more things that he can do. And, you know, Gundy said after the game, we were just scared to run him in so many of these games. Well, you have to run him. He's not a good enough thrower that you can't use all the tools that he has in his toolbox. Yeah. And so I think they coached him so much better on Saturday. But, and they blocked for him, too. I mean, you've got to give it up to the, the offensive line. They blocked for him. But he played great. And there's nothing that we had seen earlier in the season that made us think he was going to play anywhere near that well. He didn't turn the ball over, guys. That's maybe the biggest deal for me. He didn't give it to Texas. He didn't put them in really good situations. He played great. I mean, for all the criticism he'd gotten for the last, what, five, six weeks, he was awesome. I mean, there's no no way around it. When you've been saying all season they should probably look at playing Spencer Sanders, do you think now they just they ride it out with Corndog, or do you think with this new redshirt rule with four games that they ought to throw him out there and see what he can do? <laughs> I'd love to see what he can do, but – I mean, I think there's there's no question you got to throw corn dog out there now, um, thinking maybe you can get that performance again. I'd love to see Spencer Sanders. It'll be interesting to see if Mike Gundy tries a few wrinkles here or there, whether it's Sanders or Brown. But you know, you got to throw corn dog out there now. If he doesn't play well um, on the road against Baylor, maybe you come back to this. But I don't think there's any way you can take him out of the starting lineup at this point. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think. Oklahoma State's in this weird space, and I'm curious what what you think their goals are for the rest of the year because they're not they're not really in the Big Twelve title race, but they're not uh, they haven't moved on to 2019 yet. I think Saturday was an indication of that. They're still very competitive, uh, or they have been at times. I, 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 what 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 do you think Oklahoma State's goals are and and should be for the rest of the season? Um, you know, this is what I've said all year, and this is why I preached. Spin- Sanders so much and I 
was so against the redshirt rule. You know, Mike Gundy throwing everything out the window to redshirt Spencer Sanders. I think, it, I mean, it's just, you line up every Saturday, you only get 12 of these, you go try to win every single game and you throw everything you've got at it. You know, they're probably not going to beat Oklahoma, but, you know, Baylor is certainly a winnable game. TCU is a game they ought to win. You know, now you're looking at West Virginia, a home game. That's a tough game, but I don't think it's a game they have no chance to win. So what if they go through a stretch? I think that's a long shot. But what if they go 3-1 and one down the stretch and they win eight games? That would be a remarkable turnaround yeah. and certainly kickstart them into 2019. I mean, that ought to be the goal. You throw everything you've got at every Saturday and you see if you can win eight games. That would be a heck of a year considering where they were, what, two weeks ago. What did you think of uh, Mike Gundy's rant on Twitter and his, and his fart noises? <laughs> you know, it's so funny covering Mike. Um, this is He said so many ridiculous and wacky things over the years. Like, this didn't even register with me that much. I mean, I, I barely, you go, oh, yeah, Mike Gundy's doing something silly or, you know, I, I, it didn't register with me that much. Now, the, the fart noises... I'm not sure where in his brain he goes, man, I'm gonna, just going to look ridiculous today. I'm going to do something totally ridiculous. Uh, but he seems to pull that out every once in a while. But I don't know. I guess it made national news and all those kinds of things. But compared to some of the other things that Mike Gundy's done and the mullet and all that, I mean, the wacky scale just didn't barely even register with me. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, <laughs> Carson? <laughs> Kyle has some thoughts. I think he wrote a big piece about it. Did you not? No, I just i i thought i thought that the i thought that the way he went about making his point was just it, it just I just didn't think it was a great look. You know, this is somebody who, you know, Carson pointed this out. He's the highest paid public employee of the state, and he's sort of and I know that it was hyperbole, and I know he was joking and whatever, but he's like mocking people who are unemployed, and and it's like ah, is that. Like I know what you're getting at, but is that is that the best like way to go about making your point? It just it it didn't it didn't come across uh, it didn't excuse me come across great uh, to me the way that he presented it. No, and I I agree with that 100. Um, percent I mean, but you know, Mike has done so many things over the years, whether it's rant or the mullet or the way you know bringing talking about vodka and smoothies and i mean he <laughs> he has just turned into a caricature at times so you know when he does something ridiculous i just go oh my gosh mike's doing something ridiculous again and you're totally right as a guy who makes what five million dollars or whatever it is um it doesn't come off great but I, i've seen mike do so many ridiculous things that it just doesn't register with me anymore what did you think of uh, Chuba Hubbard? I thought at times, obviously Tylen Wallace. I think I think Tylen Wallace was the best player on the field, but I thought Chuba was was right there with him. Just what did you think of him? Goodness, that guy's unbelievable. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll talk about Justice Hill, but this is how good I think Chuba is. Justice Hill is going to be one of the best running backs ever to play at OSU, and I think Chuba ought to get some of his carries. That's how impressive that kid is. Um, he's got a different year. And I remember one play, I don't know, Texas defense lineman bust through. It looks like it's going to be a two-yard loss. I don't think I've ever seen an Oklahoma State running back outrun the guy, stiff arm, and outpower the Texas defensive lineman, and then run away from the linebackers and DBs. He's unbelievable, and um, he's going to have a great career. He's going to, he has a chance. 
if he stays for four years to put up some numbers like we're going to see from Justice Hill. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch his his career unfold because it it feels like he's still kind of figuring out what it means to be a, a college running back. Uh, Brian, the, the question I had written down about about Justice, Carson leaned over to me. We were sitting by each other during the game, and he leaned over and and asked if uh, he had written out a tweet about uh, how Barry is number one all time as as Oklahoma State running back. Thurman's number two. And then Justice Hill might be might be number three, and he said, "Is this fair?" And I said, "Yeah, that's totally fair. I don't, I don't know if he's the third best running back uh, in Oklahoma State history, but I'm I'm curious about kind of where you put him in the pantheon of of great OSU running backs." No, I think you guys are right on the money. And I said this; I remember thinking this last year. Me and Carson were doing a pregame show, and you start listing his numbers and the way that he's ascending. I think I said, you know, he has a chance to really be the third best running back ever to play at OSU. And I go back a pretty far ways. And I think, you know, he's better than everyone else in between that I can, you know, you guys can help me remember some of these. But, you know, Kendall Hunter, I'd take Justice Hill above Kendall Hunter. And Joe Randall, some of those great. I would take Justice Hill over um, Joe Randall. Vernon Morency, I would take Justice Hill over him. I think absolutely that is fair. I don't have any idea what his career is going to be like in the NFL, but if he were to stay four years, and I don't think any of us think that's going to happen, hmm. he has a real shot to get Thurman's record. Yeah, and th- that's pretty unbelievable for a guy, you know, to be on really, really, really good OSU teams as a freshman and sophomore to put up the numbers and have the career that he's had. Um, I think that's fair. I think I would put him at number three. Do you think he's better than Nathan Simmons? <laughs> I don't know. You know, some of those Bob Simmons teams, you know, I mean, he did beat out Jamal Fobbs. So um, that's probably neck and neck. <laughs> that, that Nebraska hurts. The one where he handed it to Simmons instead of Fobbs. Oh, that what was, year was that? that's like, that's right in my wheelhouse. That's like right in my wheelhouse when I was in school and you just, Every time Nathan Simmons would run out there and they would give him the ball, the crowd would just groan. It's kind of the way we thought the crowd was going to be if Cornelius went out there and they went 0-3, 0-3, 0-3. That's kind of how I, I thought about it. Uh, it's got to be, what, like 97, 98, 99? Before that? Yeah, I mean, they were they were playing Nebraska in, like, Kansas City, and they had, like, a goal line carry to win it, and they, yeah. and they handed it off to Nathan Simmons. I went. Oh, you were there? I was, was at it Arrowhead Kansas City? That, yeah, was at, I was at Arrowhead that night, man. You bet. They, yeah, they had they had a chance to win it at the goal line. And everybody just, you know, groaned when it was Nathan Simmons instead of Jamal Fobbs every time. <laughs> That's a brutal memory. Uh, what do you oh, think of uh, – we, yeah. we had uh, we had Mike Boynton on our pregame show for OSU Texas. It was great to talk to him. Always a pleasure. But just what, it was, what was your biggest takeaway from our, from our chat with him? The energy that that guy has is what just jumps out at you. You know, he shows up, and we've talked to him a handful of times. Um, you know, I think the energy that he has, uh, the recruiting energy that he has, I mean, he never stops. He, you get on Twitter every day, and it's like picture of Mike Boynton, and you just see the tennis shoes resting on the passenger seat of the plane, <laughs> and, you can de- and you can definitely feel that. The guy just has energy. And um, I, one of the things he said to me, said, man, you just never stop. He said, well, I'm not good enough, coach, to not go get the best players. And if you're an OSU fan, you go, man, sign me up for all of that because 
you know, right now it, it appears that he's doing a great job in recruiting. He's infused a life back into OSU basketball. And anytime you talk to him, I mean, that's, that's just what you feel. I, I don't know what you thought, CC, but um, that's what I got. He just, he's energy all the time. Yeah, he's just so personable is the, the vibe I've always gotten from. He's just so relaxed, so comfortable. I mean, we're about to go on statewide TV, and he's he's making a joke about recruiting. Like it was just it was just so cool to talk to him. And you're right. I I think a lot. Of, we were talking about eating crow earlier about Taylor Cornelius. We all <laughs> we all have crow to eat about Mike Boynton. He has proven yeah. us all, all the wrong. Crow. All the crow. I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, no question. I remember when he got hired. Me and you went on the air, and we were like, "What is my, Mike Holder just quit?" <laughs> on OSU basketball. That's really what we thought. We thought he quit. He is, yeah. he is done trying to win any games. And, you know, he was, uh, he was smarter than the rest of us, man. And my boy is doing an unbelievable job. I never would have imagined that. And I think, too, what jumps out at you, whether, you know, you see him going to soccer games or women's basketball games or football games or whatever else it is, like he's like the mayor of Stillwater. Yeah. He genuinely enjoys being in Stillwater, which you would never guess for a guy from New York City. Um, it's remarkable. It, it appears he's doing a great job. I, I love the chip on his shoulder that he has about them being picked dead last again with the very fewest amount of votes you could possibly get. I love the chip on his shoulder that kind of he lives his day-to-day life with, and he's doing, he's doing a remarkable job, and you just feel that when you sit next to him. It's a great point about him being the mayor of Stillwater because, and and Mike Gundy has to look at that and be like, what, what do I have to do here? You know, I've won a hundred and whatever it is, eight, <laughs> 18 games. And it, it's almost, it, it is, it's, it, I, I don't know why it is. I mean, it, it's, it's weird that somebody who's won 21 games never made it to the NCAA tournament in Boynton. He almost feels more, he, he almost feels more relatable, I think, to fans than Gundy does in a lot of ways. Do you get that feeling as well? I don't know. Yeah, I think he is a little bit more relatable, but I do think this too, and I think it's not fair to Mike Gundy, is that you know Mike Boynton, as a basketball coach, he doesn't have to play against an Oklahoma who's one of the best three or four programs in college football history. Yeah. You know, Mike Gundy can win everything on planet Earth, and if he doesn't beat OU, people are going to be really mad about it and say Gundy's not doing a good enough job. Um, and I think that's totally not fair to the way people judge Mike Gundy because I don't know how many coaches in any situation would go up against OU year after year as one of the best programs. If that's your rival and that's your standard, I mean, very few places can live up to that. And I know that's not what OSU fans want to hear, but it's the truth. Um, and, and so I think that's unfair to Gundy, but being relatable and being out there is certainly one of the things Mike Boynton's uh, tried to do and has done, and I think it's working for him. Absolutely. Who's a who's your favorite OSU coach, player, whomever? Speaking of good interviews, uh, that you've ever talked to. Uh, oh, Munkin. Man, I remember, we would cover <laughs> Munkin, and like they would. It's it's almost like you know the media is in one spot, and you're waiting for the moment that they say go and interview everybody, and you just make a beeline for Munkin, even if he wasn't ready. You would just stand there and wait because talk about saying things that are ridiculous. Say anything and everything, and he was he was the best. And then I, I just 
I'm trying to think, you know, other great interviews we've had at OSU. I mean, obviously Gundy, he can say ridiculous things on a weekly basis. Where were we at, Carson? We were in uh, Arizona. James Castleman had the great interview. He was always a guy that was uh, that was really fun to talk to. Um, but Monkey for me, that's number one. Okay, we'll get you out of here on this. The guy that we haven't talked about from from Saturday really is is Tywin, and, and there was a little bit of buzz after the game about uh, you know is he gonna is he a Bolitnikov candidate? I, I'm just curious about where you stand in terms of his uh, future and and can he become uh, yet another in a long line of of Bolitnikov finalists and, and possibly winners in Stillwater. Yeah, he's that talented. I mean, the things that he can do in the air um, is remarkable. I mean his ball skills in the air kind of takes you back to some of the things Dez used to do at OSU where they could yeah. just literally Robinson would just throw it in the end zone and say, Dez, you might not be that open and I'm just going to go throw it to you and you can make a play. <laughs> and the play, the play at the end zone on fourth down, that's one of the best plays you'll ever see from an OSU receiver at any time. I mean, yeah. his ball skills are remarkable. The numbers he's going to put up in that offense in Stillwater, if he's got a quarterback that can throw it to him, are going to be remarkable. I don't know if he's a Bolitnikoff finalist yet, because I don't know that the name recognition is going to be there for people to vote for him. Yeah. And sometimes you have to have those. James, James Washington didn't win it until everybody knew about him and said, that's the guy who's going to win it. So I think Wallace is... Numbers are going to be there at the end of the year. He's going to have some of the best numbers of anybody in the country. I'm just not sure the name recognition is going to be there. But absolutely, you know, coming back next year, he's going to be one of the, I don't know, top three guys that are going to be the favorites to win it. I think absolutely. Yeah. He, he's unbelievable. No, it's a great point. He's number three in the country right now in terms of power five teams uh, in yards per game receiving, which is uh, it's, it's really crazy considering the fact that it doesn't really feel like Oklahoma State's offense has been that productive so far. What are we, nine games into the year? Or eight games? No, uh, I, I think that's right. And, and it's not like he's a guy that just jumps off the page. He doesn't look like this physical freak. It's not like he's the fastest guy on the field. You know, you watch OU play, you go, oh, man, Marquise Brown, he, he's so fast. Yeah. Um, I see why he's open all the time. You know, Tyler Wallace doesn't really jump off the page like a James Washington would where he can just run by guys and run for these big, long touchdowns. Wallace is kind of a possession guy, but he can certainly make big plays and he can make people miss. Um, he's a little bit deceptive in a way that's totally different, but like Dog is when he runs, you go, I don't think he's that good an athlete. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, he's a way better athlete than I thought. <laughs> and, and I think Tylen sort of has that in him. You don't just look at him and go, that guy's a, a physical freak. But um, he's super productive, and he's unbelievable. Yeah, for that reason, he reminds me a lot of Rashawn Woods. You know, Rashawn wasn't some yeah. athletic freak, but he was always open, and he, he made a lot of tough catches over people, kind of like Tylen's doing. So, No, but I Brian, think that's right. I, I, w I would say Tylen's a better athlete than, than a Rashawn. Uh, Rashawn was so good as a route runner, he would make really tough catches. I mean, you have to be uh, spectacular with seven touchdowns in the game against that you have to be spectacular. But I think I think Tywin's got more talent. Maybe not as much of an athlete as a, a Dez or a Blackman or a Washington, but he has a chance to have their kind of career. What's your favorite kind of coop? You're our coop uh, guest of the week. Oh man, a coop, dude! I like is uh what the the IPA man. That, F five. I got I, I got the F five right. I I got into the uh, I didn't want to say F five and be wrong, but I thought that was right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm we appreciate let you that. Help me with that. 
No, I was going to let you help me with that. Uh, a- but no, no, no I, absolutely the F5. I mean, hey, you, it's, it's super tasty, and you get one F5, and you go, oh, I have had an F5. Yeah, things are about to perk up here. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Well, hey, thanks, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's it's on us for not having you on before, but we'll definitely do it again. Hey, man, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, had fun. We'll see you guys later. Okay, talk see to you Brian. later, Brian. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a veteran TV move right there, Carson. Give, feeding us the uh, the name or the uh, type, but not the name, in case you don't know it. The, the, <laughs> that was that was kind of like uh, when you when you don't remember the person you're with's name. <laughs> And you're introducing with somebody, you're like, hey, you call your friend or hey, 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 Kyle, come over here, meet. Uh, this, you just tell the person you don't know, hey, this is my friend Kyle, and then yeah. you wait for them to introduce themselves. Yeah, also, that's, that's kind of what he pulled. Also, a veteran move. Uh, that was fun. I, I feel like Brian has a lot of uh, just institutional Oklahoma State knowledge that's always fun to to talk about, and 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 there's just a context there with him in terms of talking about OSU that. Maybe you don't get, you know, when, when you talk to uh, broadcasters or, or guys at, at the national level, you know, uh, uh, I think it was Herb Strait on Saturday was talking about how, oh, what, what was he saying? We were talking about it in the press box, something about how Cornelius has been throwing deep great all year or some, some, something that like didn't make. Well, any... he, he was talking about Gundy being this riverboat right. gambler. He, right. he was like. You think my gunny's gonna punt on fourth down? Then you don't know my gunny. And it's like, well, no, he punts a lot on fourth down. <laughs> <laughs> He's not this. He has a mullet, but as you said, he coaches like he has a crew cut a lot of times, like he did in the second half. But yeah. I thought Brian's take, and he said this for years with me, and it, it's real. It's a really good point that no matter what Mike Gundy does in Stillwater, if he doesn't beat OU, mm-hmm. people are gonna rant and rave and say. He wins 10 games like every year. And as much as we like to break down what's happening, what's going wrong, what they should be doing, that's a fact. And he's right. Like OU is a top three, maybe higher program in college football. And that's that's what you're dealing with every single year. So I think we lose sight of that sometimes. Well, and now he's got somebody to kind of challenge the throne, right, in, in Mike Boynton. Um, he didn't really have that in Travis Ford. Uh, Underwood wasn't there long enough for it to, to, to kind of take hold. And now you've got somebody who's incredibly personable who I, I talked to one person in the athletic department on Saturday and was like, this dude's the hardest worker I've ever seen. This is the hard, you know, hardest working person I've ever been around, you know? And that is, um, you know, that, that resonates with fans. And, and so now it's, it's interesting to look at, to kind of hold the, cause they're the two most important coaches on campus, right? Maybe the, maybe the two most important people in terms of the athletic department on campus. And so it's interesting to kind of juxtapose those two against one another. And uh, yeah, you're right about it. I mean, that is a great point about the OU thing. If, if Gundy doesn't get it done against them, then, you know, you turn around and, and if, Boy- you know, Boynton's going to Kansas, he's going to um, where else do they win? West Virginia, I guess uh, that's, you know, that's, that's got to be kind of tough for Gundy. Like, come on, guys, what do I have to do? Well, got to beat OU. You know, that's that's part of the deal. It's a high bar. It's yeah. a bar. Nobody beats OU. <laughs> tell that. To, tell that to Texas. You know. Yeah, I know. Um, Although I guess Texas won this year. Bad example. <laughs> okay, uh, we need to. Let's see. What do we need to do here? Let's get to this week's uniform. Uh, we we could, well we're gonna do both a review and a preview. Um, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. 
on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I stopped in at Chris's, picked up uh, some koozies for our tailgate. Uh, they made us some awesome koozies. We're going to hopefully put those online. I've got a couple for you, Carson, and uh, they, they did a great job with that. But uh, we gotta, before we get to our preview for Baylor, we've got to review the, um, the, the throwbacks, Carson. Were they as good as, as you had hoped they would be? They were better. I mean, they were simply stunning when those first pictures came out. You know, your your boy Jackson Lavarnway put out the pictures, and they the helmet, the the old brand, I thought was the best part. Um, but I gotta admit, Kyle, when we were up in the press box together, yeah, it looked like I was back in two thousand five. I was watching Bobby Reed and the boys run around from up there, it, and it dawned on me that basically the eighty eight uniforms are the less miles era, just without the alarm clock font. That was the only difference and the updated brand. Yeah, totally. It did look like that up there. And then you get on the field and you're like, wow, these are, this is incredible. You know, and, and you're right about the, the pictures that stand out the most that Jackson took or that you see on, you know, ESPN.com or whatever are definitely ones where the helmet is prominently featured. The helmet's unbelievable. They should wear that often. I mean, you can, you can wear the helmet with the current uniforms and I think make it look really good. And I hope they do it because it was uh, it it was a phenomenal look. How about how about corn with the uh, with the the long sleeves? How good was that? <laughs> Looked like uh, Sam Bradford for the Vikings. The floppy, the floppy sleeves. Was I, that was that an '88 throwback or was that just how he wears his uniform? No, I, I think it was a throwback. I, I think all the um, I think all the quarterbacks did it because I, I saw I saw Sanders on the sideline. He had it. I didn't see Drew Brown, but uh, maybe that was a QB thing. I thought it was a good look. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. I mean, they were stunning, and like Twitter was like a buzz. People I follow that have nothing to do with OSU football were like, "OSU looks so fast in yeah. the Barry Sanders uniforms." Yeah. yeah, and you could also Kyle wear the wear the throwback helmet that they wore a couple years ago, the black version of that helmet with the old brand. Yeah, totally. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Black all black, all black with that with the orange brand. Mm. Now we're talking. Yeah. Uh, okay. Baylor preview. What do you What are you taking this weekend for uniforms? I'm gonna go back to a combo they've worn in the past on the road. I'm going white helmet with the badge, white jersey, black pants. It's kind of a, one of their better road looks. I I just I don't think they're ever gonna wear white white orange. I know it's not happening. I I kind of wanted to pick white white orange, but I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm actually going to go black helmet with the with the badge, uh, white top, and then uh, black pants. Ooh, so I like that too. Yeah, it, it's it's the old Texas look. They used to wear that at Texas all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not the badge, but the black, white, black. So I, I think they they're not going to Austin, but they're going kind of close to Austin. So I think they go. I think they go black, white, uh, black uh, against Baylor on Saturday. What if they just wore the throwbacks again, just with a white jersey? <laughs> Just went all white with the old old helmet. <laughs> the black helmet. No, I mean the white helmet, the one they wore Saturday. Yeah, I know. But all you, white. You could go with the black helmet too. Black, white, white, or yeah, black, white, white with the throwback uh, with the old school OSU logo. I don't like the black, white, white. Okay. They wore that at Baylor one time. They did wear that at Baylor, so maybe you're onto something. Yeah. That was that the Justice Hill fumble game. Uh, no, they were all white for that. I'm thinking of Mason Rudolph's first start. Mm, yeah, that's right. It's harder to remember these because the years get, you know, more more combos every year. So yeah. I remember. 
Okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, I wanted to, before we go, a couple things. One, what was your take on the uh, Gundy Twitter rant thing that he did after the game and, and continued in, into the next week? Yeah, I just thought it was weird. The whole thing was weird. Like, I, I understand where he was coming from as far as he doesn't really appreciate criticism from people who, in his opinion, don't know what they're talking about. Like, I understand that was the point he was trying to make. Uh, I think he really believes that about social media being the downfall of our society. <laughs> and he's right about that in some ways. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even saying he's totally wrong. There is some, There are bad things when it comes to social media. But I just thought the, the example of... People who aren't like who are drawing unemployment checks as people that criticize on Twitter, I thought I just thought it was weird, and I, I thought it was a weird thing to say. And as I pointed out, like the highest, the state's highest paid employee making fun of unemployment checks in our state that is just has so many issues to me was a little tone deaf in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. And and the post that I wrote about it, I I, I I'm with you. I, I kind of side with him on a lot of these things. It's like there's so much toxicity and so much. I think uh, emotional and mental like healthiness issues with social media. Like it's, it's not great in a lot of ways. I just wish he would have kind of made his, it made his point better. And there's two separate points. One is we don't take outside criticism or advice or whatever. And then also like this separate social media issue. And he like sort of strangely melded them together, in a not a uh, great way. And the whole thing was just kind of, uh, it was an incredible rant, uh, but I just don't know if it really landed the way that he meant for it to, or um, I don't know, the, uh, in a way that was that was beneficial for everyone. Does he not tweet himself? Isn't that a little hypocritical? It, well, that, that was my point. He makes fourteen thousand dollars a day. He wears a hoodie to work because people who who are on Twitter are interested in his program. And he also tweets and has the most followers and makes the most money of anybody in that room. <laughs> I, I, do, I mean, the whole thing is like, it, it, yeah, like, and again, I don't, I don't mean to make it as if he was judging the entire society of people who don't, who don't, who are unemployed. I'm not saying that. I just thought it was a weird example is yeah, all. Yeah. I don't and, think it was some overarching point. And it's weird to criticize Twitter when you're tweeting emojis, you know, and, and building part of your brand off of it. I mean, that, that, that's, that's part of his deal is like you know, the wrestling singlet, all these different things that he does. And it's great. I think they're all awesome. I think that Oklahoma state has a, has done a great job with his brand, but for him to turn around and say, like all you people who are on social media are idiots. And then on Monday say, Hey, we need everybody who's an Oklahoma state fan at all of our games. Like they were on Saturday night. It's like, just have some continuity there. I, I, I just didn't feel like it, it, uh, it played very well for people who were listening. Yeah, and I'm sure people read your column with 
pure rationale and, and understanding. <laughs> it's not been. I'm sure, sure it took it well. It's not been a great 24 hours. It was, was Gundy subtweeting our site on on uh, Wednesday with the emojis. Yeah. I think he was just stirring the pot in general. I don't think he was like, let me get at PFB here and fire off a couple emojis. I don't think he was thinking that. <laughs> that might be your best Gundy impression ever. I didn't even really try on that one. I, I didn't think that sounded like him. It was so good. <laughs> That's probably what, what he thought <laughs> about my impression. Fire off a couple emojis. Yeah, like... Kyle, I don't think he's thinking about your blog when he does that. No offense, but I think he, I think wh- he, he realizes his Twitter rant was beamed across the country. Well, but why? What? Like, why was? I don't even know what it what it meant. Like, why was he doing it? Well, it's the last time he did that was when you know Mike Holder had made comments right. on our on our podcast, I guess. So maybe he is subtweeting you. But no, he just. I think he just was trying to stir the pot like he did last time with with Holder. Just wanted a reaction. <laughs> Didn't he tweet a? What did he tweet with Holder? Was it the cowboy hat guy still? No, it was, no? The, it was the thinking one and the... Um, LOL? The what? Like the crying laughing one? I don't know. I don't even remember. I mean, we are dissecting a Mike Gundy tweet for a guy who <laughs> says Twitter's the the downfall of our society. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, okay, let's get to, real quick, uh, the Baylor game. What, just expectations for this weekend. I... <laughs> Somebody commented on, uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but somebody said, the way that Oklahoma State's going this year, I expect them to lose to Baylor and then to beat OU by like three touchdowns in Norman, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was funny. But just what what do you – how's this going to play out? Four games left. They can play the freshmen if they want to. How do you think the rest of the year goes? Well, I mean, what a difference a week makes. I think they're an eight-point favorite against Baylor on the road. <laughs> Baylor, to me, is better than Kansas State. Um, and who they were not competitive against. But it does help, Kyle. Baylor's quarterback is still kind of going through concussion protocol. So uh, Charlie Brewer, that, that definitely helps. I just, I don't know. I, I need to see some consistency before I'm going to pick them to, you know, win three of four or two of four. I mean, I could see them beating Baylor, and I think Brian's right. They, they could absolutely be competitive with West Virginia and TCU the last few games. Going to Norman, I think it's going to be tough for them to keep up with OU's offense. Their offense is ridiculous. But uh, no, I think I think you take it game by game. But I, I do think Kyle, if you know Cornelius has another stinker and it's the second half, and they have you know 14 points, I, I don't I don't mind at all throwing Spencer Sanders or Drew Brown out there. But I, I think Keating's also right in that you know Cornelius played great. There's no reason to to start anybody else. So just Ride the corn dog. I rode him this far. Why not? Ride the corn dog. Um, yeah, I think that I don't. I don't. I'm with you. Like I, I think we get too fired up about one game either way. We did this with K State, and now, and now I think we're going the other way with Texas. And it's like I, I don't know what to expect. I, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive game against Baylor. I really do. And then I, I, I think they could lose. I mean, I, I, I just. I think there's an issue when you're you're Mike Gundy and you're saying we haven't we haven't been energetic all year, but we were against Texas. Okay, why is that? Why does it take homecoming night game ABC number six Texas for you to get fired up? Are you going to be the same team on the road against Baylor that you were against Texas, or am I getting the K State team? I, I 
that that concerns me and i think that i think that lack of consistency at a high level it should concern the coaches and and everybody else as well so i i, I haven't decided who i'm gonna pick i i might pick baylor i i don't know i mean it's it just i i think the lack of consistency is incredibly concerning the last time they went in waco was 2009 yeah not great it's a long time ago. Shelf lost in 12. Uh, 14 was the Rudolph game. 16 was the Justice fumble game. No, but to your point, Kyle, go back to last year. The home game against TCU. They're riding high. They beat they beat Pittsburgh into oblivion. They just kind of came out, you know, expecting to roll the ball out and win. And I think that's just that's been some of their some of their downfalls when they get a little complacent at times, and it takes them, you know, being an underdog to really to play with that energy you keep referencing. So I think they just, Gundy just coaches more aggressively. And I think the players, you know, take it personal and, and just frankly come out ready to play more than they do at some of those games they've lost recently. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, Carson, what, uh, where are you going this weekend? Are you going to Lubbock? I'm going to Lubbock. Uh, the last time I was there was Mayfield versus Mahomes. Mm. So I expect both teams to score in the sixties again. It'll not really, be like, it'll not probably, really, but it'll probably be like 10 to eight. Yeah, it's not going to be Mahomes Mayfield. That I can guarantee. <laughs> they, uh, Mahomes had 800 total yards by himself. That's so absurd. <laughs> That's and crazy. Mayfield and Mayfield beat him and played better. Yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, okay, today was great. Thanks again to Brian for coming on. Last weekend was great. Uh, I had a lot of fun in Stillwater. Carson, I feel like an old man. I was up until like four in the morning writing and I haven't, I've, I think I'm sick now. I haven't been the same since then. I can't do night games anymore. Uh, so I'm glad for an 11 a.m. kick on, on Saturday. <laughs> You're back to 11 a.m. You, you like that now? Oh yeah. Bring me all the 11 a.m. I know students hate it. I know fans at home hate it, but I'm, I'm in on it. I'm going to be in Waco. <laughs> I'm, I'm going down there. Oh, you're going. Okay. Yeah. yeah we're going to, uh, going to that planning on going to Bedlam and I think I'm also going to TCU. So well, you're one and zero this year, so uh, and we're two and zero. I was at Missouri State as well. Okay, and then uh, we taped a podcast on Wednesday, so we should be good to go. good to go. Yeah, converging trends. Let's do it. Uh, okay, <laughs> Carson, we will try to uh, get some kind of post game show in this weekend, depending on your travel, and we will definitely reconvene uh, for another podcast next week. Okay, sounds good. Have Talk a good weekend. You, you too.